broadcasting from the White Gold Tower, from the Somerset Isles to Skyrim, from High Rock to Morrowind, this is the ESO Alliance, an alliance of podcasters and fan sites. For the Elder Scrolls and Elder Scrolls Online, these are the people that you go to for the latest and most accurate information about the Elder Scrolls game that you're playing. More news about Elder Scrolls Online, we're here on one show, once a month, Allied. I am your humble host and fellow Tamrielic traveler, Avarwin from Elder Scrolls Off the Record. And I am joined by the one and only, the Emperor himself, All Hail Andrew from Tamriel Foundry. Uh, what's up, everyone? How's it going? Thanks for tuning in. Really appreciate you guys being here. And veterans, veterans and heroes of the Chalamo themselves, Josh and Kyle from the Shoddy Cast. An honor and a pleasure. And you know her as a librarian and contributor of the Imperial Library, one of the internet's oldest Elder Scrolls fan sites dating back to 1998. Here is Daria, <laughs> Lady <laughs> Naravine, as you may know her, Lady Naravar. Hi. <laughs> My lady. <laughs> the important thing to take Excellent. away from this, the important thing, we have a girl on the show for the first time ever. <laughs> That's right, Josh. Uh, it's, it's a woman. It's <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Today's date is is uh, Freydas, first seed the seventh. And uh, today's show's this, uh, summary, we're going to be talking about uh, Zenimax has lifted the NDA on ESO and our thoughts on the impact and the lift and our opinions about the game as told through our game experiences and the experience from the Elder Scrolls series, as well as misconceptions uh, where we locate and debunk some of the Internet's biggest misconceptions about Elder Scrolls Online. We're going to be talking about is ESO just a PvP game and Imperial Edition bonuses are pay to win. Uh, neither are they a pay gate. We'll be making that distinction as well. Um, but first, let's uh, let's get to know our our uh, wonderful uh, guest first, Lady Lady Naravar from the Imperial Library. Uh, it is a huge thrill for everyone here to to have you on our stream today. Thank you so much for making the time to to come out. Thank you for having me. It's it's kind of, it's an honor, really. No, <laughs> <laughs> oh, please. You guys do awesome work at Imperial Library. It's like so one of the absolutely most informative sites I've ever seen for any gaming series. Like it's unbelievable. Absolutely. Do I talk about myself now? Yeah, you um, should. Yeah, you yeah. should tell Plug. people. I think a lot of people in chat are probably new to uh, the Elder, or you know, maybe they're not new to the Elder Scrolls, but they haven't followed it as deeply as a lot of the people that frequent Imperial Library. Why don't you tell everyone? you know, what the site is and, and uh, give us the rundown. Yeah, the Imperial Library is a library. of um, We host every single book, note, journal, all that stuff that's in an Elder Scrolls game, dating back to Arena, covering all the spin-offs, the mobile games. We also have maps, concept art, um, all the quest write-ups, as well as any kind of um, out-of-game text released, so the pocket guide to the Empire that came with the collector's edition, um, the various comics and uh, additional stuff that came with Redguard, with Battlespire, as well as texts written by the developers when 
like just completely outside of the game. So that's all the obscure texts by Michael Kirkbride, Ken Rolston, Kurt Coleman, all those people that you hopefully know and love. <laughs> and yeah, outside of that, we basically host everything, everything that's lore. And we have a forum. And that's us. And we've been around since 98, like Erwin mentioned. Now, how, uh, who exactly uh, created the, uh, the Imperial Library, and then how, uh, how did you get involved? Um, it was created by Xanthar, and it hosted, I think, Dragonlance and Elder Scrolls first. Wow. And eventually, actually, let me look that up so I'm not lying to people. Yeah. And eventually we quit hosting anything for Dragonlance or whatever our other series was. One second. Sure. Uh, now- for those of you uh, who don't know, uh, and if you watch the Elder Scrolls lore series, the Imperial Library is our number one go-to source. It's where you can pull any and all Elder Scrolls lore information. And my favorite part about it is what you had mentioned, this, the fact that the actual writers for the game have articles and stuff on there, things that you can read that you just would not find in the game otherwise. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, when when um, our lore master... Uh, Lou does his his segment, uh, the Elder Scroll. He always credits, you know, the Imperial Library and the unofficial Elder Scrolls pages as well as, uh, you know, the the sources for um, all of his his information. Yeah, it puts the wikis to shame for sure. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So it was started by San, and then I. Sorry, I'm sliding down. Sure. <laughs> I I came on in the summer of um, 2010, which is when we moved to our new hosting content management system and i do all of the really boring data entry work (laughs) mostly (laughs) so the 2300 some books that are in eso i'm one of the people that puts every one of those up individually and tags them and it's all of that and then when i'm not doing that i'm writing the actual articles and collecting all the information and answering questions and right now it's um it's me at a Norsil Prowler, mostly doing all this work. And then we have a couple assistants, Merlin and Jeroic, who have been doing really great work as well to help get everything up to date. I mean, uh, you know, your, your site and uh, especially UESP um, as well, I, I mean, I, I credit you guys with basically holding, holding down and, and really creating the, the, uh, the Elder Scrolls uh, fan site community and and the Elder Scrolls culture. I mean, I don't know if if you guys really understand like the impact uh, the Imperial Library really has on on the community. But um, if if anyone is interested in getting involved in the Elder Scrolls community, I mean, damn it, if you love these games so much and you want to see what's going on on the internet, uh, the the Imperial Library for for years since 1998 has been the place to go, and you know as a result has has been the place to go and has created the the culture of the Elder Scrolls fans uh, on on the internet. Yeah, one of my favorite parts is actually we keep archives of all the websites that used to be around and no longer are. Like back when Morrowind was coming out, there was this great page called um, Eldril's Chalice. That had lore and all kinds of developer posts, and mm-hmm. it's been gone for years and years and years. And we still have backups of all that. So, if you would like to see what Elder Scrolls fans were like in 2001, we we have that backed up for you to look at. Wow. And a lot, it's just it's fun to see where it's all come. And in many ways, it stayed the same. People still complain about the same things. People <laughs> same still face the same things. 
Yeah, the the last game was was the best game ever, and this next game was complete crap. <laughs> yeah, and then as soon as the next game after that comes out, oh, this last game was it's the best thing ever played. Yeah. This new game, it's it's shit. Yeah, I've I noticed. can't believe Bethesda has sunk to this level. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, how about timeless story? Um, how about we we sort of jump into it? Uh, our our very first discussion point. Uh, Zenimax lifts the NDA, which is huge, absolutely tremendous. Finally, getting rid of that that uh, non disclosure agreement. And I think everyone here has been very vocal on on all of the different media and outlets that that we we sort of um, you know throw ourselves around. I think we've all been vocal for a while saying, you know, when are they going to lift the NDA? Because I think really now's the time, maybe since what, what would you say, uh, Kyle, Josh, maybe since like, since the beginning of time, <laughs> March of last year. <laughs> uh, I don't know, at least, uh, at least like six months ago or something like that. Because yeah. honestly, at, you know what? It was the moment that the beta started getting leaked. Remember we had the leak with that guy leveling in Stroh's Mukai. And then from then on, we had nothing but very, very outspoken negative people that uh, were only willing to share their negative experiences with the game, whether I, it be because they were mad or whatever. But that was the time, I, I think. When I when I saw that video, I literally saw red. I was so angry. Um, so I guess the question <laughs> the question is, too too soon or too late for the NDA to be lifting? Too late. Too late, huh? Go ahead, Kyle. What do you think? Um, it's just, yeah, like how Josh was saying, it just seems like all the actual news that was coming out was from people who weren't supposed to be saying anything. And so since they aren't supposed to be saying anything, well, they don't care if they're going to bash the game to begin with. So yeah, everything that's was being leaked or was being said was negative stuff. Yeah. And so I was just waiting. It's like, please let us be able to say stuff instead of just commenting on the stuff that Zoss has, uh, released and then allowed us to, to speak on. So, yeah, it definitely should have been done a long time ago. Yeah, that's exactly what it did, is it created a filter. Anyone who was enjoying their time in the Elder Scrolls Online beta wasn't talking because they were afraid they, they didn't want to get kicked out of beta. They didn't want to break NDA. Oh, sure. And so it was just, oh, it was a bad situation all around for quite a few months there. And I think it got a lot of people bummed out. Andrew was the first ever emperor in elder scrolls online there i said it it's done, it's done. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead lady naravar please i feel like if they were gonna drop the nda so late they could have released more information at least because what we were getting was very one-sided and was very divisive like even when people were saying good things you were never really sure if what they were saying or how accurate it was or if it was going to change or if they were just making it up. It was just like, I can speak from the lore side of things. The, the three books they officially released were just kind of, eh, they were like Wikipedia articles. There was nothing really to talk about. They weren't really interesting. The only thing we had to talk about was just things we didn't like. And it turned into a whole lot of just bashing and kind of anger and misinterpretation that, now when I see the rest of the material, I'm like, actually, no, this sits really well in the middle of all this other stuff. And it forms a complete picture, and it's, it's interesting, and it enriches the world. But I couldn't have said that a month ago before I saw all of this. Yeah, following like, – uh, sorry, go ahead. 
No, I'm, I'm, I'm rambling. Go ahead. Oh, just, just following along that same vein, you mentioned, oh, well, at least maybe then they could have released more stuff. And I totally agree with that. Even if they weren't going to open the NDA up, what would have been nice, and I think what Star Wars The Old Republic actually did well, their development team kept a very, very open dialogue via YouTube videos. Uh, one of my favorite videos so far that ZeniMax Online has posted to their YouTube channel was the video where the devs just sat down and had a fun time playing their game that they love. And I would have loved to see more of that coming yeah. out. Uh, you know, personally, I don't know about you guys. Yeah, yeah. definitely. I mean, the way they, they handled that, like, right near when the NDA came out, there was a couple of videos, those developer play sessions when they were doing, like, the Dark Anchor, and then they were doing some crafting stuff, just, mm-hmm. like, out roaming around the world, that sort of thing. I think while the NDA was still in effect, in retrospect, more of that would have been good. Uh, I mean, yeah. definitely. Because there was that filter, exactly like you say. You know, the people who were respecting the NDA, the people who had good things about, to say about the game were keeping quiet. And, you know, the leaks, you know, exactly as you point out, I mean, it, it, those were predominantly negative because they're the people that didn't, really care if they were going to lose their beta access. You know, they're the people that felt like that momentary blip of, of YouTube views would be worth it in the long run. And, and I think that, um, you know, the people that have really invested in the game, now that we can be talking about it and now that we can be showing it, it's just been such a relief and such a breath of fresh air. And, you know, that doesn't make, it doesn't all of a sudden make everything perfect. It doesn't mean that everything is amazing about the game. It doesn't mean there's not still things that can be, improved and you know room for feedback and stuff like that but it means that you know we can say great things about the game and we can show great things and and convince people because i think i think it's the type of game where the gameplay does most of the work in terms of selling it it's it's not the kind of game where you you know you're going to list a bullet point set of features and that's going to you know have everyone immediately convinced that it's going to be the best game ever it's the kind of game where you watch it being played and you imagine yourself playing it and you it just looks fun and it is fun and you know hearing people say that and and seeing people playing it and you know seeing twitch streamers seeing people who don't have a vested interest in eso particularly you know people who are like neutral but well-respected names within gaming seeing them like giving eso another shot and streaming it and having a great time i think that is done more in a single weekend for Elder Scrolls Online selling it to the fans than yeah. the entire amount of press that ZeniMax did before that. Yeah, uh, it, the the game. You're right, Andrew. When you, you when you said that this is the kind of game where the gameplay sells itself, and I think consumers these days, especially um, in our age group, who who were you know sold their entire lives during the '80s while growing up on Saturday morning watching cartoons. You know, we know what an ad is, all right? We know what that is. We know what you're telling us. And the only thing that we're interested in is, hey, boom, by the way, this is what, what's coming out. Then, cool, we're interested. Um, and, of course, the hype train rolls from there. But what really grabs us is how how is the game going to play? And you see that when, you know, games like Star Wars The Old Republic came out with, um, you know, purely CGI trailers like Elder Scrolls Online has. Sure, the trailers look great, but how does the game play? And uh, Andrew, I think you're 100 percent right. I think everyone's 100 percent right when they say that um, you know they if they had more of the devs playing the game um, and showing that off, and then on top of it, uh, you know, seeing uh, the the streaming going on as well. I think that that's been huge. Um, whereas 
I, I know we're saying it was too late. Um, I think a lot of us would probably agree that it wasn't so egregiously late that, um, you know, they, they completely hit, missed the mark on this too. I mean, are, are we mostly in agreement with that? I mean, I would say I would like to have seen what we're seeing now in January. Hmm. Yeah. At least. I don't, yeah, at I least, don't know right. if that would have been possible from a, just a marketing perspective. I don't know if they were that far along yet, mm-hmm. but I, if, if they could have done it that early, they should have done it that early. Yeah. Oh, who knows? Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like the beta that I was playing in January was a pretty good uh, representation of what the game is right now. Um, I don't know. What about you guys? I, I Mostly polish, I would say. Mostly polish, some tweaks. They've added some features that really just accompanied the or solved some of the issues we had during the beta. But nothing really new has been introduced unless you want to call Dark Fisher's new stuff. <laughs> But yeah, I think yeah, I think exactly the the polish has really come together. I mean, there's some news. I mean, I think the PVE collision is like kind of a big new feature. Yeah. Um. Uh. I mean, I, the dark fissures. It's a new feature. It's a small feature, but I think it really adds to the game. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, they've been, they've been refining it and making it better, but I don't think that the gameplay that you we had in in January was like would have reflected badly. Although, you know, to be honest, I think that they've gotten a little bit lucky with their release window and, and the timing of it, and it's sort of worked out for them because, um, you know, it, it could have been that they had a, a sort of closer competitive, competitor for this, this launch window. The fact that Wildstar isn't launching in April, that's, you know, nice in terms of everyone's focus is on ESO now. I mean, a, a year ago it was looking like those two games might be coming out right at the same time. Yeah. Uh, ESO really has like center stage, center spotlight right now because nothing else is coming out in the next month that, that has a sliver of a chance of, of stealing uh, the attention off of, of Elder Scrolls. And I think that is fortunate because despite the fact that it was, you know, it was a little bit late in the day that things started getting showcased, now, every, now it's got everyone's attention. And I think that, you know, one solid month and a half, you know, solid month and a half of, of coverage is going to be enough to help people make up their mind uh, as to whether they want to buy it. And I think, I don't, you know, we haven't heard anything about what their pre-order figures are, and I'm sure we won't hear anything about that until, you know, much later down the road if they ever choose to release those numbers. But I think that, you know, I think that they're starting to gain ground quickly, despite the fact that they were moving sort of more slowly uh, earlier on in production. Now that brings me to my my next topic here, which I think you're you're sort of uh, just sort of orbiting around there, Andrew. N- now that we we sort of we do agree that it, it was it was kind of late to to be doing what we're doing now. Uh, water under the bridge, of course. Um, the NDA being lifted, everything that we're seeing now, is this enough or not enough? What's the impact that we're that we're looking at here? Uh, do you, do you think, at the end of all things? Uh, the game launches successful. Go ahead, uh, Lady Narivar. I am going to go with yes. <laughs> I've mm-hmm. seen I've seen numerous threads of people saying, "Hey, I used to hate on this game, and now I I really like it. I'm going to get it." And I, I mean, from a business standpoint, I do think they're going to cover their initial costs. I think they're going to 
cover enough to make to keep making DLCs. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess yeah, launch successful. I don't. I can't really. I don't want to speak from it from a player's perspective as much because I really I haven't had much time in the beta. It's always been on weekends where it's been Mardi Gras or I've had to work or something. <laughs> so I haven't like I haven't been able to sink quite as much time into it as probably you guys. Right. But. But like just impact. from how the community ha- is viewing it now, it seems a whole lot more positive. It's just been getting more and more positive since it announced. Uh, Kyle, what about you? The impact of this thing, generally positive or, or negative at this point? Of the NDA being lifted? Yeah. Well, I don't think it can hurt it at this point. I mean, you know, we've already said before, it was nothing really but negative stuff coming out. But now that people are actually being able to play a more finished product... Um, they're they're seeing what they're going to be buying into or potentially buying into, so I just feel like the majority of the news will be good, but only if they're seeing if they're playing this game not with that whole you know aspect of it being the next test game or something like that or you know Skyrim Online, um, but if they just look at it as a RPG and just play it as its own entity that just so happens to be in the Elder Scrolls universe, then they will have a great time with it. And yeah, yeah, I think this game's going to be successful regardless. I I sort of think that like, that's the best way to, to really look at um, Elder Scrolls online is, is that, uh, and and I said this on, on um, a recent episode of Elder Scrolls off the record. It's, it's not, it's not a replacement for your single player Elder Scrolls experience, not a replacement. Can you have a single-player Elder Scrolls experience while playing this game? Yes, absolutely. I will back that up thick and thin. I will back that up. But it's not a replacement. Because I still jump into Skyrim. And if you watch any of our streams, I still jump into Skyrim, Oblivion, Morrowind. And, and it's just, you know, it's a it's a singular experience. Um, but that said, it is a different experience. More akin to, you know, maybe what I've received from from playing like Shadowkey. Uh <laughs> which is a completely different type of, of Elder Scrolls game, but but there it is. Uh, now, Josh, uh, what what say you, sir, on this uh, impact on on this? Now that the NDA has been lifted, impact generally favorable, uh, po- possibly uh, generally negative. Still, what do you think? Um, well, first of all, I'd like to say that I do like the fact that you've identified uh, the NDA as a marketing tool and how it has an effect on how games are going to sell you know, at, at the actual launch because that is so true. I mean, th- I, I think all the people here that are playing beta play it because they love to share their constructive criticism for the game. They love to see it come along and develop. I know I followed a lot of MMOs throughout their beta development. But the truth of the matter is, is I think we can agree the grand majority of people that are jumping into a beta weekend, you know, friends that I have, they're looking at it not as a beta for them to help Zenimax out and help them improve. They're looking at it as an extended demo. That's exactly how a lot of uh, um, betas have been approached in the recent years. Yeah. And so I think at the end of the day, what the beta will do, what this lifting of the NDA will end up doing for people at the launch is it'll basically solidify the people who, oh, they play the Elder Scrolls, they play the demo essentially and say, this game is for me, I'm going to buy it, or this game isn't. And depending on how it's going to positively affect the Elder Scrolls or negatively all depends on, you know, how many people have fun playing the actual beta. 
Yeah, I think the betas are hugely important in terms of, you know, this sort of last-minute conversion of getting getting those sales, getting people on board, convincing them that it's it's the game they want. I, I you know, I don't speak for Zenimax on this, but my suspicion, and I, I think that it's been said somewhere, is that there's going to be a, at least one more beta weekend before launch, and I expect there'll be another really big one. I mean, I I don't think that they'd go small at this point if they've you know, they've been ramping up the number of invites they've sent every every beta, um, you know, each time for the last couple months. And so I think, you know, there'll be at least one more. I, I, I'm almost positive of that. And I, I think that that can be something that, you know, you see that they're basically letting an unlimited people, unlimited number of people in. I mean, Curse has, you know, 60,000 beta keys. Uh, you know, all all the other network sites have you know, this huge pool of beta keys they can just give away. And so, I mean, I was talking with some people in my stream last weekend during the beta, and it's like, there was maybe one or two people that said like, oh yeah, I didn't get a key, you know, I, I must have missed out on something. But, you know, nobody really who wanted to try the game last weekend wasn't able to, that I heard about. So, and I think, you know, another another big beta test where people essentially get that limited demo time where they can try it out, see how much they like the game. I think that'll be really important, uh, important for them. And let's not forget that one of their absolute biggest demographics from a business point of view is, is the consoles. And, sure. you know, that's still coming. And I think a lot of the positive uh, press and, and the gameplay footage and stuff that people are streaming now, mm-hmm. you know, that essentially is on the timetable for console release that that, ideal NDA lift back in January that we were talking about would have been for the PC release. So in terms of having a nice, you know, three-month console release date isn't announced yet, but in terms of having that nice run-up where people have lots of time to get amped up about the game and see it in a a really polished state, I mean, the game isn't really going to be any different between the the PC and the console platforms. So I think, you know, that's helping them too. Guys, um, I want your unabashed opinion of the Elder Scrolls Online, one by one, and uh, let's start with let's start with the lady, Lady Narvar. I have to admit that when it was first announced, I was very very skeptical. Sure. I like I there were rumors, of course, before it was announced, and I was always kind of like, can they make this work? Is this going to be World of Warcraft with an Elder Scrolls skin? Whispered in I, darkened <laughs> corners. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what what is is this going to be like what Elder Scrolls is going to be? Yeah. And at points they were releasing things like the CGI trailers and I was looking at it and I was thinking I see nothing Elder Scrolls about this and I was I was really worried and I was one of the haters. And, and now between what they've released and between what I've gotten to play and honestly, between what like what developers have said, like on their Facebook feeds, on their on all the videos they've released, they seem like cool guys. Yeah. And now that I've gotten a chance to play it, and I've gotten a chance to read the books, and I've gotten a chance to look at all the art, and it yes, this is I I, I bought the collector's edition already. I will definitely be playing it. it it's as far as I'm concerned, it's a Elder Scrolls game. It's a good game. People should at least give it a chance. It, it's it's sixty bucks. It comes with a month free, and how like how many games do you really play for longer than a month? 
like $60 games you go out and buy. And you MMOs. A month. That's it. Yeah. MMOs. Yeah, Basically. pretty much MMOs and Elder Scrolls games. And Elder Scrolls games, yeah. yeah. Still, still I, playing I, Skyrim. I go buy the new Tomb Raider. I play it for three, four days. It's done, and that's $60 right there. So you might as well spend 60 bucks. try it out. If you, if you haven't been in a beta yet, send me a message. I have like 88 keys, as does everybody else. So, yeah, I'm... I'm all for this game now. I uh, think it's uh, just going to keep getting better. I, I mean, I don't mean to interrupt, but you said something really important there. Uh, you've got 88 beta keys. How can someone contact you in order to get a hold of one of those beta? Because <laughs> because Andrew had a heartbreaking story. You met someone that didn't get get a beta key. We're, I did. We were, we were I don't doing know a, how that happened. I, we were doing a fan exchange. It's like you're not trying. Yeah, I mean, you know, like uh, I said, effort we were, level zero. We were yeah. doing a fan exchange. I was, people were emailing us beta keys, and we were just throwing out in our, our yeah. chat rooms. And so, how can you've got eighty eight? How can I have we get eighty eight? Is an exaggeration. I have two. <laughs> no, we have, two lucky people. <laughs> <laughs> We've been deceived. No, my um. And by eighty eight, I mean two. <laughs> before um, before the last test, like my my guild on. On, we just have a little like private Facebook group. It's a couple like like sixty folks that like lore, and we all want to play together. And we were all like, "Hey, we have all these extra keys. Who needs one?" And nobody needed one. Everybody had extra keys, so right. I think everybody has some way to get a key. Okay, there if, you go. If they ask people, I will. Um, I'm if you Google Lady Narvar and you send me a message on any of those <laughs> things that <laughs> pop up, um, Tumblr, Twitter, you can. DeviantArt. Email me. Yeah. Sure, DeviantArt. Um, the official forums, the Imperial Library, Elder Scrolls Foundry. Um, just about, I think the only places where, where Lady Narvar is not me is Eve Online and um, Discus. Everywhere else, I'm Lady Narvar. <laughs> there you go. There you go. All what right. She's trying to say she's, she's pretty E famous. She, she's, no, I'm, I'm saying I'm, I'm sticking with this username despite despite it being kind of really crappy. <laughs> she's the reason why Skynet self-actualizes. <laughs> um, okay, your thoughts on now? I mean, you're you're you are just soaked in in single player Elder Scrolls. Uh, culture to to the point where it goes all the way back. I mean, you you're you're hanging out with guys, you know, you're talking with guys in, in correspondence with these people who have built the you know the Imperial Library, 1998. All right, that's literally the days of Arena and Daggerfall. Um, what are they saying about Elder Scrolls Online? I've got to be honest mm-hmm. in that the people that started the library, they're, they're not really around anymore. Like, San, he doesn't, they don't really follow it as much because what happens to all of us is we start this when we're in college. And then we grow up, we get jobs, we get married, we have kids, and we never pay attention <laughs> to that stuff anymore. Yeah. And so. Or you marry a gamer and they support what you do. <laughs> right. I'm, I, I have the perfect setup right now. <laughs> But I think of the people that are still around from the pre-Morrowind days, most of them, I think just about everyone is a lot more positive than, than some of the newer fans, just because we have been around for so long. And we kind of, Kyle mentioned earlier that you got to come into this as an RPG set in the Elder Scrolls universe. 
And I think that's true for the single-player games as well. Like, Morrowind is so different from Skyrim, which is so different from Daggerfall. And if you expect them to all be the same, you're kind of, you're playing the wrong series. <laughs> so I think anybody that's been around for 10 years, yeah. Arena just celebrated its 20-year anniversary. Yeah. Anyone yeah. that's been around for that long kind of knows that you just got to give it a chance and that things are going to change and things are going to stay the same. And you're not, you're not going to know like until you buy it or until you play it. But I think everyone's kind of generally positive as far as I've seen. Good. That's um, see now that's important to, to, I think sort of show on, on a show like ESO Alliance, because you know, if, if some of the, uh, you know, the older guys who've been around for a long time, um, if they're saying if there's general positivity among among that group, I really think that that you can you can sort of rest your back on the idea that what what Zenimax attempted to achieve, which is an Elder Scrolls game that's also an MMO and an MMO that is an Elder Scrolls game, I think you can rest your back on the fact that they achieved it. Uh, Josh. Your your unabashed opinion, your thoughts on Elder Scrolls Online, strengths, weaknesses, predictions. Um, oh, jeez. Yeah, here we go. Here we go. Well, it's it's been a roller coaster of emotion, right? I mean, following this game, I swear to God, I got my first gray hair. I got my first gray hair a couple months ago, and I blame it on the Elder Scrolls Online. Oh, well, because, you're definitely you're telling the right people. I mean, we're all mostly in our 30s. So. <laughs> I mean, it Sorry, was horrifying. Josh. It was horrifying. No, but seriously, I mean, following the Elder Scrolls Online from the from uh, when we started playing the beta, which was about a year ago, has been a series of ups and downs. Before I joined the beta, I was hearing uh, good reviews and good things from people about the game. When I entered the beta about a year ago, I was not happy with what I saw. Uh, so I took the moment to, you know, leave constructive feedback to the developers along with everyone else in the community. Uh, we got first person in the game. Now we have mm. collision detection and all these things that I was Big hoping win. to see mm-hmm. in an Elder Scrolls game because, you know, they listen to their audience, Cinemax, over there. So um, I, I have seen it come a long way. Now, that being said, uh, the Elder Scrolls Online... And and we've we've actually talked about this before at how you know when you bring a, an RPG as in depth and engaging as the Elder Scrolls to the MMO universe, there's going to be a series of compromises that accompany that. Now I was prepared for those compromises because I wanted to be able to play an Elder Scrolls game in an MMO space and with my friends. Now that being said, I did want the Elder Scrolls still the Elder Scrolls Online to be something. Special. Now, I've been playing MMOs since my days in RuneScape as a wee little lad in elementary school. And uh, since then, I've played 13-plus MMOs, uh, four of which I've got to max level and stuff. I've been, I, I feel like I could call myself um, an, an, uh, an MMO veteran. And granted. And, uh, granted. <laughs> what was that? And granted, of course. I think everyone oh, would yes, agree to that. Oh, yes. Yes. I mean, sure. I've... I don't know the limit, like how many MMOs you need to have played to call yourself something like an MMO vet, but I guess I guess like fifteen would be around a good number to play. But yeah. anyway, uh, the moment I started calling myself an MMO vet, though, I felt this MMO fatigue inside of me. I mean, once you've played a lot of MMOs, they start to just melt together in your mind, and it's oh, pick up quests, 
fetch 10 bear asses, turn 10 bear asses into quest giver, get reward, and rinse and repeat. You know, it's become a very, very big grind for me. I have a couple and, of those uh, bear asses hanging on my wall over there, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's always it's always something. And you know, the, the thing about that really pisses me off about MMOs is their logic. Now, they say go collect 10 bear asses, but you'll kill like 15 bears because not every bear drops an ass, apparently. Some right. bears are assless. Right. Which Some, I've, the grand I've majority learned. of bears apparently are, are assless, and you're scooping up claws and gallbladders and fur like you'll ever use that. And Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> Back to the topic. I was hoping that the Elder Scrolls would be this series because it's a very it's a it's a tried and, and improved formula, especially the past and in my mind, Elder Scrolls games. I I'm glad that you guys talked about Arena and Daggerfall because those are just not on my radar at all, and I feel like they are forgotten. And I'm glad there's people out there talking about them. But in my mind, uh, Elder Scrolls is Morrowind, Oblivion, and Skyrim, and more specifically, Oblivion and Skyrim for me personally because those were the two I've invested hundreds upon hundreds of hours into. Mm -hmm. Now, that formula, I was hoping, could be applied to an MMORPG like The Elder Scrolls Online. And as a result, we would finally see an MMO that has a very, very serious emphasis on the RPG half of it, instead of just focusing on being that MMO grind. And in doing that, I was hoping it could breathe life and I could really get back into MMOs again, because I haven't played. I mean, last time I was subscribed to World of Warcraft, I think was like three years ago. And since then, I haven't really played an MMO in Endgame and raids and stuff since that time. I mean, I played, I played Star Wars The Old Republic. I played Guild Wars 2. And while those MMOs did introduce little fun things, like they, they injected new things into the MMO formula, you know, Guild Wars 2 with its action-oriented combat and Star Wars The Old Republic with its story-driven leveling system, it still wasn't enough. I was looking for something really special now. Well, yeah, but Josh, I mean, not to not to sort of, you know, maybe push us along a bit, but I mean, in regards to Elder Scrolls Online, um, how does this relate to, you know, the strengths, the weaknesses of, of ESO in, in your view? Sure, sure. So... The whole thing is, is that the Elder Scrolls Online was supposed to be that Elder Scrolls, but online for me. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, after it's all said and done, it simply is not. It is not that game. When you're segmented off into zones, when you're picking up quests from quest givers that have a big arrow above their head that might as well be the big yellow question mark from World of Warcraft, the Elder Scrolls Online is first an MMO. And... I mean, that was expected from a lot of people. But the thing that really killed me inside about the Elder Scrolls Online is that I feel like there were opportunities where they could have pushed the boundaries a bit more with their game. I feel like they, they played it safe with the Elder Scrolls Online. And while I understand you have to make compromises to bring an Elder Scrolls game to the MMO space, I feel that not all of those compromises were warranted. And again, I just I wish the Elder Scrolls Online... I, I won't shut the f*** up. But anyway, to sum this all up. <laughs> that might be an edit point, just saying. <laughs> <laughs> to sum this all up, basically, The Elder Scrolls Online, I'm really excited. I'm excited for it as an MMO. I'm not excited for it so much as an RPG. Okay. Uh, now, what would you say are are the strengths of the game? The strengths of The Elder Scrolls Online? Yeah. Just as an MMO or just a, a game in general that I'm engaging with? Um, as such as it is, what, what is one strength that, that you see in, 
in Elder Scrolls Online? Sure. Uh, the class system. I absolutely okay. love the class system in the Elder Scrolls Online because it did capture, uh, you know, the sort of class system you found in Elder Scrolls games. Very open-ended. Basically, you pick up a weapon, start using it, and it levels up with you. You know, that that's something that I think pushed the boundaries for an MMO. And one of those risks that they took that I think was a very, very high-risk thing to do because, you know, balancing, I figured, would be a nightmare and all that. But they've definitely pulled it off. And I have to say, as a result, uh, building classes and, and performing combat in the Elder Scrolls Online is absolutely a blast. Kyle, strengths, weaknesses, Elder Scrolls Online, your opinion. Ooh, okay. Now, this is coming from someone who is more of an MMO fan than an Elder Scrolls fan. Not saying I don't like the Elder Scrolls or anything. I love it, but I've just played more MMO than I have Elder Scrolls. Mm-hmm. Um, I like it in the sense that it's so much a hybrid in so many different ways that it does pique my interest as both an MMO fan and an Elder Scrolls fan. Like you have the whole questing kind of system where, yeah, you can run off in a different direction. There's some kind of organic quests which are good. I wish there was more of them where like, you know, they have all these uh, environmental things around like skeletons with books there. And you kind of want to know like, well, what happened to that person? Why are they there? And I wish there was like a quest that would go on with that. There's a few of them like that, maybe per zone, but there's there's just so much room for expansion in that area. And I really hope they take that. Um, but I, I like how it has sort of that on, that on-rails feel in the way that it at least it, it pushes you along so you know where you're supposed to be going, where to be getting, you know, the main quests, I guess. But it does have that more organic feel as you just run off into the world. So it does well in that. Um, the combat system, while I do enjoy it, really needs to be tightened up. It still feels kind of clunky to me, I guess would be the term. Um like even today, I was I was streaming it. I know they did some recent kind of tweaks to the combat, and to me, it feels kind of worse than it did. And it also seems to be a lot of bugs, which I'm sure will be worked out, but um, a lot of that needs to be addressed. So that's kind of a weakness for me now. I'm loving the skill system and everything, and leveling all that kind of stuff up. I kind of feel like they should have just done away with leveling altogether. And I know Josh and I have talked about this before. There's some games that do that now where you don't need a leveling system. They even took kind of a step in that direction with the skill system and how you can level those those up completely separate from your actual character's levels, whereas, you know, that only messes with your attributes and stuff. But you have all these weapons and class skills to level up and stuff. Why don't they just focus on that and not even worry about levels at all? That way the whole world could be open up to you and be able to explore everything without zones and walls that you have to go through and have a loading screen to, you know, go to the next level. It's just all these artificial barriers they put in that didn't necessarily have to be there. But that said, and long story short, I do enjoy the game, and I'm going to be playing it for quite some time, even though I've already been playing it for a year. I'm going to be playing it for quite some time still. Um, As for predictions, I think it's going to be... A good game. I think it will fare well. It will have well, some longevity to it. Let's, um, uh, Kyle. And I, I don't mean to cut you off, but I kind of want to get like everyone's predictions at at the end of at the end sure. of this because I know I know um, you know Lady Narvar didn't give us, and, and neither did your brother. So you know, just uh, let's let's hold off on that one for a minute, and I want to shift over okay. to Andrew's over here. <laughs> uh, Andrew, <laughs> uh, strengths, weaknesses, good sir. 
Oh, man. Uh, so I don't want to, you know, be redundant to what the shoddy cast guys have said, because I think a lot of, Josh, Kyle, your points are, are really, really well made. Um, and I think it's, it's hard to disagree with a lot of what you've said, and I wouldn't even try. I mean, I, I think what I will reiterate is that I think the weaknesses of it are that it's a game that's trying to straddle two worlds, you know, and that's, you know, by, by definition of what the Elder Scrolls Online was always going to be, it's, it's straddling two genres. Um, and, you know, in terms of the Elder Scrolls side of things, it's not open world enough, you know, it's not uh, the sort of, you know, feel of that living world where NPCs have schedules and, and go about their lives and you're just like a small piece of the world, you know, just lucky enough to be able to sort of be captured in a moment in time of this of this universe that's not quite there and and that's because of the fact that it's an MMO i mean you can't have quest givers roaming off to get eaten by you know wild wolves because they you know had bad pathing or something it's like you can't have that in an online game and so a lot of the things that make for me, everyone like everyone loves the Elder Scrolls series for a different reason. But I love the Elder Scrolls series because it's kind of like a fantasy world simulator, almost. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the story's great, the lore's great, but you know, the, the fact that it's really that like living world, there's less of that in ESO. But you know, I am hugely an MMO guy. Like, I, I just like the Elder Scrolls games on the side. So for me, it's all about the MMO, and I think that's where some of the other weaknesses are. Is that you know, it's not enough MMO in some ways. Um, but I think for what it is as a game that's kind of spanning that gap and really bringing a bunch of people together and, and creating a great multiplayer gaming experience, I think it does a really good job. Um, you know, I think the PvP for me is the best PvP I've had in an MMO since Dark Age of Camelot, which is no surprise because of who's, you know, on the development team at Zenimax, but it is, you know... It is the best PvP I've had since Dayok, and that is the highest praise that I think I can give to any PvP system. Um, I think that the exploration, the questing, the voice acting, some of that is the best that I've seen in any MMO. And I mean, that's, that's what, where the bar is in terms of getting out there in the world, finding stuff, just exploring and encountering cool things to do. I'm with you, Kyle. I wish there was more of that, but you know developer time is is not free and you know they i think what is out there t- for you to find is just really excellent um and then you know i i think that their combat system is a breath of fresh air from other mmos i mean i i don't have a problem with the tab targeting hotbar system like i'm an mmo veteran i've grew up on that you know it's yeah. uh I, I can love that just as much as any other combat system. But the action combat, the hands-on, the responsiveness, taking you know direct intervention in combat, blocking, dodging, interrupting, that sort of stuff is, um, I don't know, I like it a lot more. The more that I play it, the, the better I think it gets. And there is still polishing they need to do. Um, but with collision added in, for better or for worse, uh, you know, with some of the weightiness of attacks improved, the audio of... of the combat audio is getting better. It just sort of feels more like you're really in the moment. Um, and I think that their combat system is a, a lot of fun. So, yeah, I mean, I think that about sums it up. I guess for me, whether or not ESO is going to be a success as 
what it is, an, an online, an MMO Elder Scrolls game, whether or not it's a success is going to be more on does it retain players? And that, I think, is going to be an issue of their MMO systems down the road. Uh, Adventure Zones, their post-launch content, patches, their bug fixes. You know, it's going to launch with bugs. Every MMO does. People are, should, you know, people won't expect that. Not everyone will expect that, but they should. There's going to be some things that don't work. There's going to be some things that need improvement. Um, you know, it, it's, it's how well ZeniMax is able to cultivate their game after April 4th that is going to make a big difference to, to how successful it is. And so as an MMO player, I hope that they really focus on those MMO aspects, you know, guilds, raids, uh, you know, more on PvP, more on giving people ways to advance their character. I mean, things like the Thieves Guild, Dark Brotherhood, that's what MMO players want. They want to get invested in a character and then every so often have a bunch of new stuff come out where they can just keep making that same character better. It's, it's an investment in something that, you know, you can hopefully carry forward for years. And I think that as long as Zoss puts a strong emphasis on that, uh, I think ESO can be enormously successful. But it's conditional on things like Adventure Zones being good. So I hope that mm. they're coming along well. The adventure zones. That's like Area Fifty One. It's it's something yeah. only spoken about in whispers, you know. <laughs> well, we we know more now than we did, but yeah, it's it's still a question mark, and yeah. it's a question mark in a big area that's really important. It's a really important question mark. So it's supposed um, to be out at launch, by the way. Let's see how that's going to happen. That's I don't still think the last thing happen. we heard, or that's I don't think what that's they said happen. before, but doesn't look like it. I feel like. It, as long as they have as long as they have that first AZ in before like the end of the first month, I think that is going to be acceptable to to most people because only the most hardcore of hardcore players are even going to be in a position to experience those you know mm. within the first three weeks so I mean you might frustrate a couple of your most hardcore players by like not having the the raid in there for them right at launch, but as long as you get it in soon, the fact that it's going in you know. Honestly, I think that's a great carrot if they need to give players some kind of incentive to actually pay that subscription fee. We know the box comes with 30 days free. Sure. You know, oh, look, it's an adventure zone. It's an entire zone plus a raid plus, you know, whatever else is going to come in that patch. Extortion. Hmm. It, well, I mean, it, it's not – it is extortion, I guess, but it's, it's <laughs> them fulfilling on their promise to make a $15 subscription worth it to people. And yeah. I think that they have a perfect example to demonstrate that by showing people exactly what their subscription will get them down the road uh, within that first month. So I hope it, I hope it works out. Um, strengths and weaknesses. I, I, I think their greatest weakness is, is also their, their greatest strength. Um, they, it is, as an Elder Scrolls player who has a tremendous amount of MMO experience, um, I I feel every Elder Scrolls game that I've played, I feel it coming through in in probably the single greatest MMO I've ever put my fingers on. Um the 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 biggest hardest sell for me on this game was exploration. Because that's what I do in Elder Scrolls games. I I ignore quests. I go out there, I walk around and I let the world uh unfold at my feet. And I feel that 
um, through the year of of playing the beta, watching this game get better and better and better, I've seen that open up more and more to the point now where um, I've tested time and time again this ability of, can I go out there and find my own adventure? Yeah. I mean, uh, without a doubt, you can. And I think that's the hardest thing to, to actually do in an MMO. Now, don't forget, what, what is an MMO? World of Warcraft, Rift, Star Wars The Old Republic. Um, again, and, and if you if you listen to um, Elder Scrolls Off the Record last night, I also presented Aeon, Guild Wars 2. Uh, I mean, the, the list goes on and on and on. You know, I don't have any experience with Dark Age of Camelot. Um, I did play Final Fantasy XI online. I'm sorry. Go, uh, I know, right? <laughs> Go explore. Go explore in those games. You're, 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 you will find the definition of a theme park MMO. And like Andrew said, those are unbelievably wonderful games. And I gave up most of my twenties in those areas, in those realms. And I will never, ever, ever, ever say that that was a bad idea. Um, but I, I will tell you this, when, when you go and explore in, in Elder Scrolls online, it feels like a single player Elder Scrolls game. Uh, whether I have NPCs running at me saying, you know, help, you know, the next town over was ravaged by Daedra, or I'm I'm in Daggerfall, or, um, you know, Canarthi's Roost, and, and I, I wander into a town, and I just see, you know, little little white pointers um, over people's heads that, that indicate to me that they have quests. It doesn't matter to me. Um I, I sort of just know that if I want if I want the MMO to to be an MMO, it'll be there. And if I want it to be an Elder Scrolls game, it can be there too. And I think one of the greatest strengths that um, this game has can really be seen on, uh, or at least I think you know we depicted on our on our uh, stream last week where we had Shank do uh, Shank's Hitchhiker's Guide to to Tamriel. First-person perspective, not a single quest done. The guy didn't do absolutely anything for like two-plus hours. The guy was roaming around in Cold Harbor. If you're not an Elder Scrolls fan, it was the boring, the most boring thing you'd ever want to watch in your life. But if, you're in, if you are an Elder Scrolls fan, damn it all, that sold you on the game. Because you saw Elder Scrolls online with people around you. The one thing that you've been asking for was there. And then... Afterward, we had Dave get on, and and it looked like a normal MMO. I mean, you looked at the HUD. Every possible piece of information that you could have wanted was on his screen. He had the camera pulled all the way back to the point where it was directly over his head and very far away to increase maximum situational awareness. And he was going from quest to quest to quest to quest, collecting all the things that he needed to collect to fulfill those quests, going right back, and it played like an MMO. And if you put the two cameras side by side and you look at what it was, if it wasn't for the art style, you'd have no idea they were playing the same game. Take the art style out and make wire mesh frames right there, which is probably what exists underneath those beautiful visuals, which is another huge strength of the game. You would have no idea these guys are playing the same game because it's what you make of it. If you want it to be an Elder Scrolls game, you have every opportunity in the world for that to exist. And if you want it to be a generic MMO, you can do that too. And if you want it to be somewhere in between, go wild. And I think that's the greatest strength of Elder Scrolls Online is the fact that it can be whatever it is you need it to be for the moment. Uh, predictions, Lady Narivar, please start. Horrible. 
game in general post-launch? Yes, ma'am. I know, it's, it's kind of... I want to say it's going to do well. I think it's going to track best with Elder Scrolls fans. A lot of the people that maybe haven't played an MMO before. Because I think, yeah, if you've played 15 MMOs, and I, have, I don't have MMO numbers anywhere near that high, <laughs> but if you've played a lot of MMOs, there are maybe things that... You, you're probably already playing another MMO, and you might not necessarily want to give it up for this one. But I think if you've never tried an MMO before, and you're, a, you're one of the 20 million people that bought Skyrim, you're, you're probably going to do very well with this one. I think it has a very nice learning curve, and a lot of those people are going to get into it. Which I think is good. I think it's, it's good to open up people to different genres of games. I, I do think it's going to sell well. I don't... I believe I heard... I could be lying. I could be accidentally saying things I shouldn't say. I believe Lauren Schick said that the collector's edition did sell out. Yeah, the physical one's out. Yeah, Yeah. so, I mean, that, that alone is that they sold out of that before release is great. I think that's going to allow them to do a lot of the things you guys were talking about with um, Adventure Zones and increasing that amount of kind of ambient quests. I, I'm, I'm guessing... Because these are, yeah, these are people with a lot of MMO background, a lot of pen and paper RPG background. Like they go way back; they know what they're doing. I think they are going to focus on that kind of stuff now that they, the, now that the base game is shipped, they're going to be able to do that kind of retention stuff and hopefully keep people around. Okay. I, 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 I don't really even know what to say. I, <laughs> like, I, I think there's so yeah. many different metrics you can measure the success of this game on oh sure um it really it really all depends on what you think um hits hits the mark for you uh as far as your your prediction goes um and uh i gotta admit like i i definitely agree with uh what you said on i think this is going to fare best with with elder scrolls fans um that being said uh josh what uh, what about you your your predictions josh yeah, just following that same vein you guys were mentioning right there. I think if you're an Elder Scrolls fan and have never played an MMO before, first of all, you owe it to yourself to try this game. I mean, if you've never touched a whole genre of video game, you don't even know the world that's out there, this community and stuff like that, how you can get involved with guilds and this very, very social experience. You have to, I mean, you owe it to yourself to definitely try out the game at launch, no doubt about that. Um, as far as if The Elder Scrolls Online is going to succeed, I'm not going to pretend to know the answer to that question. Um, I, I'm sure it's going to have a very, very smooth launch. I'm sure a lot of people are going to be playing it, it, especially for that first free 30 days. Um, really, the ball is in ZeniMax's court, though, when it comes to if people are going to stick around. We need to see a good lineup of uh, patches once this game releases. I'm thinking at least a, a patch within the first 30 days would be excellent. And I think, I think Andrew pointed it, pointed it out that it would be very, very beneficial for them to have that. I mean, that's just good business to have that patch lined up right before everyone has to pay their subscription fee for that second month would be very, very, very smart thing to do. And I hope to God it's a crime system. I really want a crime system. <laughs> oh, it's on its way. The, I bet, uh, that'll, be, I bet that, that'll be the second big patch. That's yeah. my, oh, my that'd be great. Kyle, what about if, you? Predictions? 
Oh, well, I think the sale numbers alone can pretty much justify that the first month at least is going to be very successful. Um, of course, a lot of that is going to have to do with, you know, how well the launch goes, of course. Um, cause I know they have had some issues with, uh, about two betas ago, there was a big issue with people not being able to log in or like, I remember I had to wait for like an hour just to get into the game for it to load. Um, but the past two have been much better. So that's, that's a good sign. Um, after that, pretty much, you know, everyone's going to, you know, have the same opinion that it's really going to come down to the content they release after that, how well it's going to be. Are they going to live up to the promises of four to six weeks of having, you know, that, epic dlc level or style content coming out and then also just adventure zones big you know question mark because i know for me that's going to be what is going to retain my attention with this game um people saying like oh it's gonna go free to play in six months (laughs) i have to admit i kind of was thinking on those terms as well that it would probably you know by the end of the year something would go free to play but now looking at it i honestly don't think they will ever do that looking at it so yeah it's really going to come down to will the content they put out be worth the 15 dollars, and that's going to be up to everyone to make that judgment call the individual consumer yes yeah is it valuable enough and uh and and andrew your your predictions sir uh well obviously i want elder scrolls to be a smashing success in every department i mean full transparency i am like a fanboy ish like i you know I, I want the game to do very well and i want i want it to be awesome i think in terms of offering a realistic prediction of you know if i had to bet uh you know a substantial amount of money on what would happen then you know the safest bet that i could place is i think that um Elder Scrolls purists, like the purest of the pure Elder Scrolls fans, will find things to hate about ESO. But things that have, but people that will like, just sort of like Elder Scrolls games in general, like, oh yeah, another Elder Scrolls game? That sounds awesome. Those people will love Elder Scrolls Online. Uh, PvPers are going to love Elder Scrolls Online. I don't think there's anywhere else that serious PvP players will rather be, uh, you know, at least not for a while. Um... I think that PvEers, like traditional MMO endgame raiders, will be disappointed. Um, I just think that it, Adventure Zones at this point are too much of an afterthought. I don't think they can possibly be perfect, at least not the first one. Um, I think they'll be too easy. I think people will blow through them. I don't think they'll challenge and engage people. I think the loot systems might not be fleshed out very well. I think that PvE will be a letdown at first, but I think that the, you know Zenimax hopefully will learn quickly from that. Um, and I'm just saying that you know not I don't know anything about Adventure Zones. I haven't played it. I haven't seen it. I don't know. But that's why I'm saying this. I think you know it's three months to launch, and they still don't have a raid in the game. And I think that alone is is enough indication to me that it's not going to be ready. You know, it's not going to be perfect the first time. Uh, I hope I'm wrong. I hope they, you know, blow me away with the first one. And I'm like, I can't believe they nailed this, you know. Um, Well, Andrew, I mean, to be fair, Entropy Rising probably has um, world-class MMO gamers. And I'm not even being, I'm not even being dramatic about that. I mean, you, you come from, I mean, you once shared a story with me where you jumped into a SWOTOR raid 
uh, half boxed and cleared the whole damn thing with with your group and never had been in there before. I mean, the, the minds that exist in Entropy Rising for gaming are just absolutely world class and probably could give a uh, you know a good solid Korean team for a run for their money. <laughs> I mean, I, I know, I uh, know. Not not even raiding with your guys that you're gonna you're gonna run in there and you're probably gonna smash face and everything. But I mean, I'm. I mean, do you think that it's it's going to be uh, the first Adventure Zone when as soon as it comes out? Do you think it's going to be like that easy, or do you think maybe just Entropy Rising is gonna is gonna just have an amazing time with it getting through? Well, I don't know. I can only speak from my own perspective. We are a really competitive guild, but I th- we're certainly not the only competitive guild. There's lots of great guilds out there, and um, I think that you know people will have that. Just based on what I see in most MMOs, people have that first raid cleared in, within the you know within the week, within a couple days of it coming out, mm-hmm. and you know some people will struggle more. Uh, but I don't know. I think that yes, in some ways, it's a waste of time to really try to develop specifically for that top point one percent because they are just point one percent of your target demographic. But sure. the thing about that top point one percent is those are the people that are running fan sites, those are the people that are streaming on Twitch, those are the people that everyone looks up to, and when those people say, oh, the game's too easy, the game sucks, those are the people that others tend to listen to. So I think it's really important for them to put something in there that, you know, you know hell, make it impossible. Put a, put a mechanic in there just to screw with people, <laughs> that at 25%, <laughs> the boss just like wipes your raid and it seems like there's nothing you can do about it because there's nothing you can do about it and you know patch it over the course of a week you know let people struggle because half the time if you think something's impossible people will figure out a way to do it anyways Mm. you know and uh you know if they just make it really really freaking hard to kill even if it's just the last boss of the adventure zone i don't know know if i can as long as they put something in there that everyone will struggle with Mm mm-hmm no one's going to quit the game because they haven't been able to kill a boss within a month. But people will quit the game if they kill that boss on the first try. So well, I, I, I agree with your sentiment. I don't know about necessarily the execution, um, but I, I, yeah, I, I, do, sure, know, I sure. do know. I mean, obviously, you'd rather have a fully functioning mechanic sure. where the fight is just challenging and it pushes people. But um, I mean, I think the worst thing that can happen is for them to put in a raid that people just roll over. All right. Uh, latest uh, patch notes on on the public test server. Uh, the reason why I'm I'm coming out with this one is is because there are some things here that uh, have been highly requested for a very long time. Uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna read this right out here. Uh, you can now skip the tutorial with new characters if any of your characters have completed it already. When you click create on the character creation screen, you will be presented with a pop-up which will ask you if you wish to skip the tutorial or not. Note, pre-existing characters before this patch do not qualify. You must complete the tutorial with one or more times uh, before you are able to skip. So basically, what does that mean? Cold Harbor's gone. You, You are now able to completely skip over Cold Harbor. And then also... Um, as you, as you, uh, if you do play Cold Harbor, the, the choice of your first weapon in the game has been removed. Uh, it seems like when, as soon as you run in there, you get a sword. 
Um, let's let's wait. Gr- I, sorry, ahead. I didn't hear that part. That was you, you. No longer can choose like, oh, I want a staff, I want a bow. I you, nope. you have to get a sword. Yep. Yep. You you yeah. can no longer choose. What a weird. Okay, this is very interesting. So they're like, <laughs> now you have an optional choice when it comes to Cold Harbor, which I'm like, yeah, that's great. Options are always good. Choice is always good. And then in the next sentence, they take away a choice. That's right. That's odd. Now, it does get better. Um, and I, I want to jump back on the Cold Harbor thing in a minute, but I, I do want to get this out. Uh, they've also increased the starting bank size by 30. Uh, we removed three potential good. bank upgrades as a result and increased the cost of the later bank upgrades to account for the starting inventory. Uh, so... They gave us more bank space, which which everyone's been highly requesting. Uh, and your starting inventory has also been increased by 10. So that I believe that's gone from 60 to 70, or, or is that starting is probably 50 to 60 now. Yeah. So it, it's now, when it was 50, it is now 60 uh, sp- spots. Uh, and also, we removed one potential inventory upgrade and increased the, the cost of later inventory upgrades to account for this. So, so basically, when you start the game, you're getting more inventory in your bags, and then also uh, they've increased the bank size by by thirty. Uh, huge, huge upgrades, if you ask me, at level at level one as soon as you start the game, because this is what everyone's been asking for. That they're a bit stingy when it came to um, bank space and and bag space, and then they've adjusted the the costs and availability of bank and upgrade uh, excuse me upgrade bank space and upgrade bag space as a result um which i think all around is is basically a huge win for us and and not necessarily the 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 point that i i really want to kind of jump on uh really what i want to talk about is um uh cold harbor being gone and the removal of the choice of weapon because i think that's one that's that that bears discussion the the bank space the bag space uh, that's a win all around, and you know, yeah. and I think no one. I don't think there's really a lot of people that would disagree with that. There's nothing worth talking about on those counts. <laughs> yeah, but you know what's awesome is, hey, guess what? Zenimax listens to us, and and there you go. And that's a big, that's a great thing. Um, and also they listen to us by by completely giving us the choice to remove Cold Harbor. Hey, you know what? You 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 started. You you went through Cold Harbor. You played the game for a bit. You want to roll an alt. Very good. Maybe you don't want to go through Cold Harbor again. Been there, done that. Lyris Titanborn, we love you, but no thanks right now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What do you guys think about about the removal of of Cold Harbor? And, um, you know, I guess, well, Lady Narivar, we've been starting with you. Let's, uh, Let's start with you once more. Thank you, baby Jesus. I (laughs) six pounds, baby Jesus. (laughs) Don't you mean baby Talos in the real library? I think every game should have a skip tutorial button. I, I that might be a controversial statement. I don't know, but I know one Let of the roll. reasons I didn't play Oblivion with mer- very many alts is because it took like three hours to get to that damn tutorial. The I don't want to see that kid. Yeah. yeah, I don't want to see the cave like for the seventeenth time. Just start me off right there. Let me pick shit. And I was I was looking at our stream and reading our chat, and uh, Jessica Folsom is saying that you do actually pick up more weapons if you choose to go through the tutorial. So okay. I guess if you want something other than a sword, you do the tutorial. Okay, so yeah. that makes a lot of sense, actually. what It looks like what they're trying to do is when you do go through Cold Harbor, 
Uh, basically, oh, it's very sneaky, actually. They're, they're very clever over there. They're saying, all right, listen, guys, you want us to remove Cold Harbor? We will. But you should know that it would be a good idea to go through Cold Harbor because if you do, you have a chance to find that weapon that you're looking for. Right. Also, um, if you decide to roll an alt, you're you're going to keep in the back of your mind. Gee, you know what? I got real. I got this really awesome weapon that I would like to use. I would like an alt to use. So let me let me hold on to it, create an alternate character, and then send it to him. In that kind of environment, is it really necessary to have the the um, you know all of those weapons on display right there as soon as you start Cold Harbor? Maybe not. Yes. Their design decision, they say no. <laughs> But why <laughs> is my question. Why fix it if it ain't broke? I mean, what was wrong with having weapon choices to begin with? Mm. I'll tell you what was wrong with it. This is what I heard, is that people were complaining because they weren't paying attention, and they thought they could loot all six of the weapon racks. No, yeah, And they I looted the that. first <laughs> one in the, wrong, in the wrong order. They looted, like, the first one they came to, and then they couldn't switch. And yeah. so people were like, what, I'm stuck with this weapon now? Like, I don't get to use the one that I really want it? Well, it's like, the, there's even the guy standing there who says in his, like, RP voice, like, don't be greedy, you know, there's just one for everyone, like, choose, right. you know, choose your weapon. They, you know, I, I, don't, I don't understand the forcing the sword on people, honestly. Like, if you want to make, if you want to fix that, the fix is, like, let people switch. Like, you use a weapon rack, and if you go and use a different one, it, like, takes the weapon you have and gives you the other one instead. I, I feel like the amount of developer time that would have been involved in that change versus, like, putting in a, a thing that, like, forces you to get a sword would be fairly comparable. So I don't know, I don't know why they opted in favor of fewer choices mm. because, I mean, cho- the, the choice to progress your character how you want, that's, like, the point of the game. I agree. I think it was One a terrible, terrible point. design yeah. decision. Um, I think anytime you take choice out, especially out of an Elder Scrolls game, is always a bad idea. Um, I think they should do, do exactly what you're saying, uh, Andrew, which is which is put uh, put the choice back in the game and allow us to you know swap out multiple times, but not necessarily have all of those weapons in our inventory. Um, hopefully, that's that's something that that could be done. I, yeah. I don't I don't really know. Uh, lady, I think it's not a big deal, but but you know what if you just get unlucky? It's there. It raises the possibility for someone to have a terrible starting experience. Yeah. What if you just know I want to be a destruction staff mage? You know, sure. You start with the sword, and most people will kill some stuff. They'll loot a couple chests. They'll find a destro staff within the first couple levels. But what if they don't? What if they got unlucky? Yeah, exactly. And, and now that, that, that happens. and now that the starter islands are skipped, which is a whole nother issue that I think we should talk about. But now that the starter islands are skipped, how long could someone theoretically go, possibly, without ever getting the weapon type that they want to use? I mean, it, it, there's a lot of random chance here, and it has the potential for someone to have a really bad experience. And I think that that's just not wise. Um, we, we, we sort of cut off Lady Narivar and I would, I would like for her to, to, you know, finish her thought. And then I want to jump back on, on some of this that, that Andrew had raised. Cause I, I think you're, you're hitting the nail on the head. I just, I hate to be a bit rude. Um, go ahead. I'm sorry, dear. No, sorry. I was kind of talking in the middle of people. All I was going to say is that I think the reason they're going with the sword is for the people that skip it. There's no way for them to know what weapon somebody wanted if they never did the tutorial, unless they throw another menu in there or they do it based on your class. 
which would also be kind of awkward for as choice-wise, I guess. But I think that's why that's there. And I agree that having the rack being like lootable multiple times would be really great because I'm one of those people that picked a shitty weapon <laughs> and then realized <laughs> I could I could change. <laughs> and that was that was my own fault, but <laughs> it does happen. <laughs> it, it does. Um, all right, Andrew. You 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 grabbed up a bunch of points here that I I really really think you're you're right on 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 spending time with um and and let's uh let's bring it back over to to Josh for a minute okay so Cold Harbor is now optional all right um as are the the starter islands so when you roll an alt and uh, you, you automatically you can start up on on you know Balfoyen. Oridon or um Polkingard. Right. So <laughs> say that again, Kyle. Polkingard. Ah yes. Wow. Who put Worf on the call? It's only yes. Lieutenant Commander Worf. <laughs> amazing impression. Um you jump on there, right? The the guys in that area are are, you know, uh, comparable to to your level now. They they sort of, you know, adjusted that ever so slightly. Uh, it is a challenge, but not a, an overwhelming challenge. What are what are your thoughts on on all of this? Well, my first thoughts immediately was Zenimax listened, right? I mean, that was everybody's concern. Uh, you know, we we've talked about before how uh, your first impressions are obviously your most important. You know, you'll never get a second chance, and sure. when you want to rope a person into a game really quick, you want to put your best foot forward. And I always said that Zenimax's best foot forward where the moment you got off those starter islands and into the actual cities, like my first ever city in the Elder Scrolls Online beta was Daggerfall. And it was from that moment that I was having so much fun with it. But yeah, as far as whether this is a good change or a bad change, I would like to meet the person who thinks that having an option is a bad thing. So I could punch them in the face because uh, (laughs) honestly, having Cold Harbor optional once you've already completed, there's no reason to vote against that. Just because yeah. if you want to do it again, you can do it again. Choice is always a good thing. We're, we're adults here. We can choose what we want to do. Now, I will point out something that uh, I think a couple of uh, viewers had pointed out. And that was the fact that although it's a good thing that now you're skipping over the starter islands, apparently they're too hard to find now. And maybe you guys can speak more to that who've actually yeah. experienced it. But I haven't, yeah. I haven't gone looking for them, so maybe you guys can... Uh, uh, yeah, I would say it, it definitely is. Uh, Kyle, um, you know, in, in a couple of minutes here, what do you think about, about some of these, these topics? Well, I actually just streamed before this the whole new Cold Harbor thing. And there's a few changes that we haven't talked about yet, which are actually pretty cool. So besides the whole weapon thing, which I think is a mistake, um, the final boss, or well, I, it's sort of a boss, a mini boss or whatever you do before you escape Cold Harbor, right. so they had changed. Pan, sort of fluffy and pants. so much for the better. Yeah, Like, it is just really cool. Like, I wasn't expecting it. And I, I don't even want to, like, ruin it for people who haven't even played it yet because I want them to experience it. But yeah, it is a really good change, I think. And to me, that makes it worth the one more playthrough, I guess, of Cold Harbor, even though I've played it like, you know, two dozen times already. Mm-hmm. So just I would I actually would do it again just to see that because it was really cool. But uh, that said, being able to skip after playing it one more time is great. And it does start you out at level three. So you're not, you know, level one, you know, making your character. You do start at three as if you had done Cold Harbor. 
Um, yeah, I guess that's enough. Okay. And, and Andrew, I mean, did you want to finish up on, on some of the points that, that you, that you raised? Yes. I mean, I think honestly, yes. like, I think Josh wants to punch you in the face. I mean, that's because <laughs> he said, he no, would... no, no, I, I, I'm all for options. I think, I think Josh and I agree that we think there should be options, mm-hmm. uh, with, with the weapons. Uh, I mean the weapon, whatever, at the end of the day, that's, a minor thing, but I do think, like you said, you know, putting your best foot forward at the beginning is, is really important and showing people right from square one that they have the choice to become anything that they want to be by letting them choose how they're going to approach the game right from that, you know, first, this time you step out of the prison. I think, I think reverting away from that is not the best idea. Uh, as for skipping a cold harbor, it's fine with me as long as you've done it already once. No one should be able to skip it the first time, but as long as you've done it. Uh, and that includes, you know, beta. When characters are wiped, everyone's going to have to do it on day one, even those, those of us who have been doing it in beta. Um, and that's good. That's how it should be. I kind of hope, I, I mean, the, the kind of like side of me hopes that people who skip Cold Harbor don't get the Sky Shard. I'm sure they'll give it to them. <laughs> but, you know, it's like, if you just skip something, I don't think you should get everything that you would have gotten if you had done it. Um, I agree. I have a... Honestly, the biggest problem I have about any of the changes that they've made regarding the starting experience is one that you guys actually will probably disagree with because no one else agrees with me. I'm just weird. But I I really hate the fact that they have you skip the starter islands. I think it's a bad call. Um, I just don't think enough people are going to go back because I know MMO players and MMO players by nature don't like backtracking. I mean, some do. The ones, the completionists, the ones, the achievement hunters, the, the ones that want to feel like they've done 100% of everything. There's people like that out there. I'm kind of one of those myself, but I don't know. I don't think it makes sense. I think from a, I think there's some real weaknesses with teleporting you straight to the city. I mean, I think a, a, a subtle change that would have made things so much better is, you know, send you to the island, keep the story the same, but you have the option of skipping the island and just going to the city rather than sending you to the city and then putting you in the position where, you know, you feel like you have to backtrack. And it's like, am I, you know, going to be hurting my character by going back to a lower level zone? Whereas if you start on the starter island, you have these like two choices, two plot hooks, each of which is really compelling. You've got the prophet that's saying, oh, you know, I'm, I'm over here at the city. I'm in the harborage. Come and find me. We need to like plan our next move. And that's plot hook number one. And all of a sudden people are like, oh, yeah, I kind of want to do that. Maybe I should just skip this island so that I can go meet up with the prophet again. And then the second plot hook is you have, you know, someone from the island itself who runs up and is like, we're under attack or, you know, something, you know, something else is happening. It's like, we need you to, you know, to help us. And then all of a sudden the player has a choice of like, okay, do I want to stay here? Do I want to try to help out what's going on with the island or do I want to go and get back? in touch with the prophet as, as soon as possible. And I feel like that's just a more natural choice given the plot line, giving the recorded dialogue even. I mean, Michael Gambon, the prophet, his recorded dialogue even says like, you know, I'm far away from here in a city. You know, it's like, well, wait, I'm in the same city. You're not far away. It's like, it, it just, you know, it, it doesn't jive very well with the way that the story was written. I think they should start on the island and, you know, if you want to turn around and there's a ship right there and it's like, get me out of here. I don't care what's happening on this island. Then I think that's a much better choice than putting yeah. people in a position where they feel like they need to, to backtrack. 
Like I need to go yeah. backwards. I, I need to I need to stop moving forward so that I can be sure I didn't miss something. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I think the right way to, of doing that is to put you on the starter island and then from there giving you the choice to move on to uh you know, greater uh b- bigger and better things. Um not necessarily put you directly in that 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 area uh without uh, yeah. the starter island. I want to make it clear that I don't want to punch anyone in the face who thinks that it should start on the Stider Islands. No, as Josh, long I think you, you've made that perfectly clear uh, <laughs> that you want. As long as you agree that that choice should still be there, right? And that's the that's the only the only part where right. me and Barwin or me and Andrew differ. We think that you should start in a different spot. I think you should start in the cities. You guys think we should start on the islands. Honestly, that's how I thought they were going to do it. I would have been just fine and I would have been none the wiser if they would have just had a start on the starter islands and exactly what Andrew said, just ha- have a captain there saying, oh, you know, I can get you out of here if you want. And yeah. you're like, oh, sure. OK, I'll, I'll leave. Josh, that's- not only not only are you obviously a very violent human being, but I, I, I think you're a purveyor of hate and probably a racist as well. So <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's me. <laughs> I, I think every- to that. <laughs> uh, Josh, I think everyone can can take your comments in stride, of course, uh, because everyone knows they come from passion and uh, from from the from trying to be entertaining, which you are, of course. Yeah, yeah, right. Have to have to put on a show, right? That's right. And anyone who who feels otherwise is is probably just kind of silly. And they should die. Uh, wow. Should All die. right. So then uh, <laughs> yes. you can email Shoddycast. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, Andrew, you you are you are doing the community a service. What you think, anyway, is a service by creating an add-on for Elder Scrolls Online. Um, you think it's a service? Some people may not, and and you want to you know kind of get into this today. Tell us about your add-on for Elder Scrolls Online, and then um, you know tell me what you what you think about about creating creating add-ons for this game and why why it's a good thing and and why you think your add-on's a good thing. Oh. And worms time. <laughs> no, no, sir. Don't worry. I'm, I I got your back, bro. I'm not. I'm not the most popular person on the on the internet this week. Uh, there's some people Why? that are not too happy with me. Um, Why? Somebody because randomly email me what? because they knew I knew you and were like, "Can you yell at Andrew?" And I had no idea um, what they were talking about. I Why? No yeah. Because of an add-on? Because I I don't even yeah. I, explain it because I have no idea what this is about. I really don't. Was it the well, SCT? I, yeah, it's not just the combat text. I mean, it's it's. <laughs> I think that. Okay, so here's the situation: is that uh, Zenimax has built into Elder Scrolls Online the ability for add-on developers to make UI mods mm-hmm. that change the way that the UI functions, mm-hmm. that change the way that information is presented on the screen, that change the way that you can tailor your game experience to be one that is most comfortable and most enjoyable for you. And, you know, as Josh has so eloquently said, that, you know, options are almost always good. Uh, I think that there's been controversy lately because some people feel like the options that are available within the add-on API are ones that almost make them required for people who want to be competitive in that, you're able to access certain information about the game that the default UI does not give you access to. So there's data there that add-ons can use that enhances what's available within the default UI. And so people that use an add-on might be able to know something that people who don't 
use that add-on do not know. All right. Let me stop but, you there for a minute, Andrew. Yes. Andrew, did you make a uh, a guide that details every single Sky Shard in the starter areas? Did you do that? Uh, I did. Okay. okay. You, you know you know who else did? Uh, several websites. A lot actually. of other freaking people yeah. did that crap. Yeah, yeah exactly. Now, am I going to use that? Not that I don't like Tamriel Foundry. I love you guys. You know, you know, Tamriel Foundry has been the home for ESOTR, our guild, ever since you know we met. Yeah. And yeah, absolutely. So, so we know that. I love Tamriel Foundry. Not going to use your Sky Shard guide. Yeah, and I mean that's. I think that is a perfect example, Ivarwin. Uh, I really do. I mean, I think that someone who wants to, you know, it's like a spoiler tag. You know, no, yeah. the for you know, you can put something inside that and. And people who are curious, inquiring minds who, you know, want to perhaps just find things in an efficient way, they can, they can take advantage of that information. But the only difference between, you know, the Sky Shard guide and, and the add-on is that I, I think that people just feel like the people that don't use certain add-ons may be punished. Well, look... But, I mean, it all boils down to this. I mean, you've got a common thread here. There's a common denominator, and that is this. All right, if you if it offends you, don't use it. If 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 the fact that there's an add-on out there that extracts these this this information, if that bothers you, don't acknowledge its existence. Not only am I not using Andrew's you know uh, wonderful add-on, which I'm, I'm sure is probably fantastic. Or his Sky Shard guide, but I'm not using anyone else's uh, add-ons and Sky Shard guides. And I, I just, I don't care. I used that stuff. I was, you know, part of the 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 uh, boss mods and DBM and and heal bot and all that deadly boss mods back in World of Warcraft. I, I know what that is, and that's not my play style. And if it's not your play style either, then don't use it. Now, if you're telling me, oh, but Avarwin, I'm a competitive gamer. My guild needs me to use these things, and it's got to be there because it's a tool, and we're not going to be able to get the number one world first. Well, check the situation you put yourself in, guy. If that's the situation you put yourself in, then get it and use it. And 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 you go to Tamriel Foundry and use their... their um, and, and use their add-on because they're brilliant <laughs> and it's going to be good. And, and if you well, don't I, go ahead, Andrew, I'm sorry. I don't know. I, I really appreciate what you're saying. I mean, I, I also, I really do understand what people are saying in that, you know, I think it's largely a PVP issue. And I think one of the sort of popular suggestions that's come out of this controversy, if you want to call it that is, the option of having PvP campaigns where add-ons are automatically disabled when you enter the campaign. So people who want the pure, unadulterated UI experience can be competitive and not feel like you know they're losing a, a fight in PvP because their opponent had information that they didn't have. But you know that's that's not really my decision to make. I, I am approaching this as someone who's been invited by Zenimax to create tools to improve the game experience for people who want to use them. And what my add-on does is it does things like it creates new unit frames, it adds buff timers so that you can know how long a buff that you've used is going to last. Uh, it lets you you know, see how your debuffs are, att- are affecting your target, mm-hmm. uh, what debuffs are on your target. It lets and- you see... 
it kills yeah. puppies as well, right? That's does, what you're leaving out here. Kill puppies. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it clubs baby seals. Uh, there's an automated <laughs> feature for that. It does it automatically uh, every five seconds. It clubs spills, a seal. Spills oil um, in the Pacific Ocean. <laughs> yes, oil spills. Uh, that's a, an intended feature. We're not. That's not in yet, but next patch, oil spills will be happening. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, it adds a lot of information into the game that for people who are used to the MMO genre, people are used to the sort of features that have been in MMOs for the last 10 years, the, they might feel a lot more uh, at home with my add-on installed. Scrolling combat text is a popular one. I feel, personally, I feel like when I play the game with my add-on in- installed, I feel like I'm more connected to combat. I swing my weapon and I see that number and I'm like, oh, I just, I just crushed that guy. If I crit, I know I crit. I'm not just like, oh, I think, I think his health bar moved a little bit more than it did last time. <laughs> I, I think that was a crit. I think I critical hit that guy. That was awesome. No, it's like I see the bigger number. It's like, yes critical hit uh, it's like more satisfying i know when i cast a buff it's like i see the you know the effects on my character it's not that i'm just looking at the ui it's not that i'm just looking at the game it's that i'm using both to know oh you know i've got this buff that's that's making me stronger for the next 20 seconds and to me i i don't enjoy the game as much without those things well, um yeah and there's many many people out there that would agree with you and, uh, you know, for those of you out there that are kind of giving Andrew, uh, you know, a tough time, listen, all right, relax <laughs> yourselves. Okay. Just, just I calm can down. handle it. It's okay. Well, well, you, know, you know what it is, though? It, it's selfishness when it boils down to it because they want to control your experience through how they think their experience should be, yeah. should be felt. And while I understand, yeah, it, it's definitely it can affect you as a player. Uh, you know, Andrew's choice to use an add on affects you as an individual when you're playing this game, just don't play with those people then. that's then Maybe that's the MMO crowd and you don't want to play with those guys. Find a guild that doesn't use those add-ons. Again, it all boils down to that choice we were talking about. So um, speaking of, of uh, little thorns in the side, um, let's see. Josh, Imperial <laughs> Edition bonuses are pay to win. This this is something that has been a thorn in in kind of your side for for a little bit, uh, and when I say Josh, I mean Josh and Kyle, and of course Shoddycast as a whole. Let's let's talk a little bit about about this because I know you guys have taken a lot of flack, but you've also taken a lot of praise too on on your vocalization of of uh, the Imperial Edition being being pay to win. Okay. Okay. So we're entering the opinion zone, people. And what an opinion is, is it's my personal beliefs and it doesn't have to be yours. So that little disclaimer is out there right now. Um, Honestly, what the whole thing boiled down to me was I was I was going to get the Imperial Edition. I had plans. You know, I think all of us here want to get the Imperial Edition. You've been following a game this closely so long. You'd be kind of crazy not to. Sure. But uh, I had said that I, I will no longer be buying the Imperial Edition. And my choice behind that wasn't so much as, oh, these are paygates. I refuse to ever participate in any, in any paygate ever. I've, I've played MMOs where I have participated in paygates. And I've done it gladly because I've had the money to spare to do that. Now, 
the thing with the whole changes and and stuff when they announced this Imperial Edition, these were changes, these were additions that I feel like uh, w- was taking power away from the developers. And Andrew, I loved your article on Tamriel Foundry, especially the part where you tore into, yeah, where you tore into the whole factions being unlocked for everyone at the start of the of the game for those who pre-ordered the game. And I thought it was very interesting, you know, pointing out how it seems like a compromise for the developers. Like, they hadn't planned that initially when they started the game. They were always... Zenimax was very sold on their faction combat and this sense of player pride. And as we go down the list and we look at all the additions of the uh, the Imperial Edition has made, it seems like uh, compromises from the developers that they didn't really choose themselves but maybe their company chose for them. Did anyone else feel that when they were reading through those? Or yeah. yeah, definitely. That's the thing that kills me. I just I want the game that they had envisioned when they went to make it. You know, I and I felt that this whole thing was just marketing. Well, about that. I mean, at least about the faction stuff. I want to take advantage of the fact that I'm even on this podcast right now. With, with one of the people that is, you know, probably one of the world experts on Elder Scrolls lore, because one of my concerns about that decision was I, I wasn't, you know, in addition to the faction pride, I wasn't sure how much I could justify to myself that it, it made sense within the lore. And I'm, I think of the five of us, I'm probably the least lore-informed person here, but it just seemed a little bit strange to me. So... Daria, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, you know, how, how, does this, how does that decision to allow that sort of racial intermixing, I mean, obviously choice and free will and stuff is a feature of the single player games when you're a, you know, singular protagonist, but when you're just sort of one of many, I mean, how does, how does that, is that consistent in your view? I'm curious. I think it's as consistent if not more so than locking everything up in um, these three very tidy, very artificial to be honest groups like obviously it's at least before the whole everyone can play anything thing happened I noticed that on Tamriel Foundry the guilds, like there was a lot of in the even hard pact, everyone wants to be an Argonian or a dark elf nobody really wants to be a Breton or Redguard or an orc but when you can play your Dark Elf in Hammerfell where you really want to be, it's gonna, I think it's going to balance the factions out some. And I don't think it's... It's not like High Rock is only populated by Bretons. It's not out of the question to have Dunmer or your Altmer or your Imperials in High Rock joining this alliance. Hmm. And if I, if I may kind of bounce back a point real quick, yeah. I think you can't fairly say that they're compromising their vision while also applauding them listening to the fans because i think what we're getting now is what what everyone has always been asking for and if if they're they are compromising their vision obviously but i think they were compromising their vision when they upgraded our bank 30 slots (laughs) like it's something (laughs) the fans have been asking for and they're now getting it and I don't think you can really say one is good for compromise, one is bad for compromise. I guess they're what just, I w- sorry, sorry, 
Oh, I guess what I'd say that I, I'm always for compromise when it's uh, they're doing it for the gamers, for the fans, the people who are actually taking out their money to buy the game. I don't like it when I feel that those compromises are coming from the higher ups. The corporate suits are, are putting their foot in. That's, I guess, the only distinction I would make. Well, it oh, sort sure. of seems like that's that's we're talking about two different things here. Uh, one regarding uh, the the Imperial Edition and the inclusion of those items you have to pay extra for. That being, um, you know, uh, an issue that you got to pay extra to unlock the Imperial race. Um, five days of early access, the maps, uh, so on and so forth, versus maybe just the the mixing of the races through political faction lines, which is what I think Lady Lady Narvar may be uh, speaking on right now. I mean, I'm kind of, I think I'm kind of talking on both issues. I think everything okay. was something the fans wanted. Putting it behind the, oh, you got to buy the collector's edition to be laying apparel. That was that was definitely a marketing decision. Oh, sure. Like, I don't think anyone's going to dispute that. No. And if if I was making the choices, it would be. Uh, you would get it with a collector's edition, that, or you could buy it later as a in-app purchase. Like you don't have you you're not going to get your map, you're not going to get your book, you're not going to get your statue, but you can buy your Imperial Race Unlock for five bucks. Yeah, and I think I'm I'm going to go ahead and make a prediction that that's going to happen <laughs> because I think that would make them a lot of money. Sure. And, well, yeah, and I like how you bring up options because I think that's very important now. If this whole Imperial edition had been uh, launched along with an announcement that you can still unlock all these through in-game progression somehow, I think it would have been much better received. And just from a marketing standpoint in general, I think it would have been a smarter move to do. I wish they would have done it. I have seen people who, are, who, would, who say they would be angry at that, like, oh, I paid 10 extra dollars for this and they dare give it to other people later. Oh, how dare they! Yeah, but, we're not saying yeah. for free. I, They're not. I don't. Yeah, a whole bunch of stuff but, unlocks. Yeah, it's all the hours you saved, right? It's all the hours you saved, yeah. not having to grind towards. Yeah, that. or or the or the money you paid if it's a if it's a purchase, and you're they're still not getting the book, which is why I really bought it. They're not getting the cool statue. Like you're still getting a very special edition, even if somebody else gets to play an imperial later. I think. It, it goes back to what we were talking about with the add-on. People sometimes don't like other people just having cool shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, How dare you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, it's... The whole UI thing just seems so bizarre to me. Like, would you complain that somebody has better internet than you? Or has a faster computer, doesn't have I've seen as much lag? Like, that's people just... complain about that all the time. Yeah, time. yeah been, but yeah, this seems now, like... Yeah. They do like it. at least you can down. Anybody can download this add-on. There, you're not charging money for it. You're not only giving it away to your friends. It's available to everybody. Andrew, they can use it. They that. can't use it. It's, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Choices are good. They are. They are good. Um, that's the name of this episode, by the way. Choices are good. Choices are good. Are good. Definitely. That is the theme, I think. Yeah, definitely. I don't know. I think the, the the dangerous thing, though, with the upgrade later to Imperial type of thing is that I think it's a good idea. I mean, I think it's just the trouble is that the only thing that would have made everyone happy, everyone outside of Zenimax, the only thing that would have made everyone within the community happy is if everyone who pre-orders or everyone who buys the game gets Imperial. And, right. you know, no one could have complained about that. 
But it's Cinemax's job to make a collector's edition that makes people want to buy it. I mean, it's like this is a business that they're running here, and having two tiers, or even three tiers if you think about the digital versus physical, having multiple tiers of their product, that's how you get allow people to self-select as like what is their willingness to pay for the Elder Scrolls Online. You've got people out there who are you know, easily willing to pay a hundred bucks for the physical Imperial, and those are the people that have done that. And giving people the option of self-selecting and, and allowing them to buy that higher tier, that's their job. That's the job of their marketing team to do that. So they had to put something in there that was going to make it worth people's time. Yeah. Trouble with that's... giving people... Sorry, Sorry one, one second, Josh, and then, and then you take it away. But the trouble with giving people the upgrade to Imperial later thing is that I don't think it's fair, but the flack that they're going to get because of that, the, the hate, the criticism that they're going to get because of that is because people are going to say they're triple dipping. You know, yeah. it's the box, it's the sub fee, it's like the cash shop, even if the quote cash shop is only one thing. There's only one, there is no cash shop, but people will call it a cash shop because you're buying something that's other than the box, that's other than the sub, and it's like an account flag. It's upgrading your account, but people will call it a cash shop and people will say that they're... Yeah, well, they're wrong. Well, it, yes, they are wrong, but it, this is the land of the internet where right and wrong doesn't matter. It's all about you know, who's the loudest and you know, community outrage, well, rabble, rabble. Well, so, uh, Andrew, with, with, with all due respect, sir, uh, I think we're being pretty loud right now. And, you know, uh, I'll tell you right now, flat out, if, if I mean, if you think if you think what Zenimax has in place is a cash shop, you don't know what a cash shop is. I'm sorry. Yeah. Cash shop is is when you're playing, you know, Dungeons and Dragons online and you yeah. open up a cash shop by clicking a GUI interface button and you can buy armor, weapons, potions, scrolls of resurrection. That's a cash shop. That's what that is. When you offer services online, totally different. And I agree. There you go. I agree. Right. So it's a buzzword that people mm -hmm. get really angry over. Same thing as yes. pay gate, paywall, yes. pay to win. Like add on. A, add a on. paywall is like Candy Crush. You pay five dollars to be able to play anything else. You can't play until you pay that five bucks. Yes. Nothing in Elder Scrolls Online does that. And right. calling it it's just sensationalist. It's yellow journalism whatever terms i can pull out of my little mental thesaurus it's glad you use that term by the way <laughs> <laughs> especially after the word little <laughs> um so so i guess all right um and and i would have to say you know if you really feel and, and josh i gotta say like i i appreciate how you feel and but what i respect other than other than uh, you know, I I do disagree on some of the points that you've made on the show, um, but I respect your opinion. What I respect more is your action, and the fact that you are voting with your dollar against this thing, I think, is shows the strength of your character, and I applaud you for that. No matter how wrong I think you may be in some of your uh, in some of your <laughs> well, points, can I say can I say I applaud uh, Zenimax's business sense because they've sold more copies of their Imperial Edition as a result yeah. of this, and I think that's very good that Andrew pointed that out. As far as a business de decision goes, like it was pretty ingenious to have something you know as important as a whole entire race, which by the way. As far as what I've read, the only other MMO that has locked off an entire race and you have to pay for it was Neverwinter, and uh, that's a free-to-play MMO. 
So to have a subscription fee where you pay for, you're paying Elder Scrolls Online for the box, you're paying monthly, and then on top of that, if you want to have access to all the races, you'd have to take out your wallet again if you want access to the Imperial. It's a lot of dipping. It's so much. But man, they're, I'm sure they're making bank. I'm sure they're making bank. Well, um, I, guess, I guess in closing... And I want to start closing out the show now, guys. Um, in closing, if if these are be like Josh, where if you really disagree, then just don't buy. Don't be one of those idiots that you know gets it anyway, and they're like, "Well, I was forced into this decision because I had to have." No, you weren't, and you're kind of a choice. Now. So, choice yeah. Josh, again. I have there a question it is for you. Sure. What if what if you vote with your dollar by not buying the Imperial Edition? But what if your shadiance buys one for you? Oh gosh! No, I couldn't. Moral do that. dilemma. Still... Moral no, dilemma. I can't do it. I can't do it. I'd have to send it back with a polite note that says, "I'm a man of conviction. I can't take your dirty imperial edition." What if your brother buys it? Card <laughs> did. Uh oh. That's the thing. I didn't get to speak on this though. Could I? Yeah, yes, and Kyle, I. I'm Kyle very actually. Yeah. Share. He's he already purchased the Imperial. I'm very sorry, Kyle. I mean, I did want it to to sort of kick it over to you before uh, Andrew was horrible and uh, interrupted. <laughs> I'm kidding, Andrew. <laughs> Go ahead, Kyle. Well, please, uh, your your thoughts, sir. Just a few things. Uh, I never said that the Imperial Edition, you know, the bonuses were pay to win because for that to happen, you would have to have some kind of advantage, which. I would say there are none in that in any of those bonuses. Um, but to say that, like, because they even phrased it this way, basically, on one of their uh, Ask Us Any things, they said it was either have the Imperial, you know, race as a bonus or no uh, Imperial edition at all or any CE edition. That was a total load of bull. I mean, you could make like a, a uh, what is it, a Mike the Liar or whatever his name is. Uh, a skin or a costume or something, and people would buy that left and right. So just, I mean, there's so many stupid things you could have thrown into that bonus, and it still would have sold like hotcakes. Sure. I mean, I don't know who buys hotcakes, but whatever. <laughs> so just, yeah, that I don't agree with. The thing that I didn't like about the Imperial Edition, and it is confirmed, they are selling this Imperial Edition after the fact. After the game launches, they will have it in their cash shop, their their out-of-the-game online store, you will be able to upgrade to the Imperial Edition. So if you bought just the standard one, you can upgrade, and you know they're going to keep that going. They're never going to get rid of that. So that's why I always looked at this whole thing as a day-one DLC, which is what I hated about it. Now, I still bought the crap out of it, and I'm going to admit to that, (laughs) because I can't not play a game and not have all of the features in it that would just drive me up the wall. So I, I bought. I mean, I'm the one that spent three hundred dollars on the the collector's edition of Guild Wars Prophecies just for the glowy hands while I danced. <laughs> I mean, I have to have it. Wow. So that said, yes, I, I hate that. To me, it feels like a day a day one DLC, and that's why I didn't like it. That said, it is a choice, and you don't have to get it. But to me, I, it wasn't a choice because I had to get it <laughs> um, <laughs> against your will. You had. To. Speaking yes. of uh, speaking of 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 things that you have to get, uh, Kyle, I know there's some things you want to shout out, and I think you might be wearing one of them thingies you want to be shouting out, my good sir. What do you well, got Josh there? might make the, the shouting out part, but I'll uh, just show the shirt. Let's uh, take a little look at that. Oh my! For the queen! Wow! 
What a lovely looking lady you have adorned upon thy chest, sir. Yes. Um, um, she is just an elven queen. Um, uh-huh. No relation to any specific high elf queen mm-hmm. because of licensing right. and stuff. Do you but think- yes, she is lovely and she keeps me warm at night. There you go. Do you think that might be Queen Irene's uh, sultry older sister? I can't even say that. We can't even say that it's part of the Elder Scrolls universe. Okay. It's just an elf chick that's hot, has a a nice rack, and uh, the shirt looks very nice. Oh, okay. I didn't see her (laughs) holding any weapon racks in that picture. (laughs) She's holding something. Oh, my. But yes, lovely shirt. Yeah. Shot a cast off. What is it? Shoddycast.spreadshirt.com? Uh, you tell me, man. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. Just go um, to shoddycast.com. That's where it's all Yeah, at. it's over there. Any Anything else from uh, from the Shoddycast that we should we should know about? Um, We will be streaming quite frequently. I had it this week, mm-hmm. but ESO will be streaming a lot on our channel, which we switched over. Now it's twitch.tv forward slash Shoddycast instead of whatever it was before. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andrew, what about you? Um, anything that uh, Tamriel Foundry uh, sh- or Tamriel Foundry is working on that the, the whole world needs to know about? Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I think all of us are going to mention the streaming part because we're all allowed to do that now, and it is super awesome. Uh, I will be streaming all weekend. I'll be streaming after this podcast. Anyone here in uh, my Twitch, hint, hint, stick around. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be uh, I'll be playing the game after this. Um, Good for you. Yeah, yeah, I mean we've got we've got a post up on TF. There's a bunch of people streaming all weekend. Soma and Deegan from the Vodcast. Uh, some of the great ER Guild members: Erlex, Phasius, uh, Fulrin, uh, Rudrius. Uh, they're all they're all streaming this weekend. We'll have schedules up. You guys can catch all of those. Uh, you know, they've each got their sort of individual specialty. If you if you want to know Templar stuff, go watch Erlex. If you want to know all the ins and outs of crafting, go go watch Rudrius. So you can you can catch up. You can catch um, you know all the details on on where you can can uh, you know who you might want to watch on on the TF site. Some other stuff is we are working on our map that you uh, so graciously mentioned earlier in the show. Evarwin, we've got a very cool interactive map that we've been working hard on. It lets you sort of explore uh, the entirety of Tamriel, and you can, you know, all in one sort of zoomable uh, format. You can, you know, check out all the zones. There will be uh, markers on that that you can use to make sure you don't miss anything come live. Uh, if you're the kind of person that wants to make sure you haven't, you know, haven't missed a single sky shard or or something like that. Um, you know, we've got guides and articles coming out all the time, and uh, launch week at TF is going to be very cool. So no details yet, but uh, make sure to check. So. Got it. Uh, Lady Naravar, you've been absolutely wonderful and gracious to give us you. your time. Um, is there anything that you would like to sort of uh, shout out? Maybe anything new regarding the Imperial Library and Elder Scrolls Online, or or geez, maybe Elder Scrolls Six. I mean, that's going to be huge for for all everyone, right? We are not streaming anything on the Imperial Library, so don't come looking. <laughs> um, we are updating the two thousand three hundred books that I mentioned earlier. We're putting up more every day. We're featuring every week like a race and a culture kind of of the best books that we found. That like, hey, if you want to know about the Maurer, read this. So yeah, be check that out at some um, imperial-library.info 
And then when you're done with all of that, you should definitely take a look at Coda. It is a um, a project that Michael Kirkbride and a bunch of artists and myself and a bunch of wonderful lore people have been doing. It's an expansion to the universe, a retelling of many of the stories with art. And that is c0da.es forward slash c0da. Yep. I, think I will I will link that in wherever okay, this good. is actually streaming. Uh, yeah, so so it's streaming in two different places, uh, twitch.tv ah. slash network and twitch.tv slash tamrealfoundry? Uh, Atrobos Nix. I'm on, it's on, it's on my, it's on my Twitch. We, um, yeah, let's, we'll get those links out there. Sure. I'm not sure. I tried to put it in my chat, but I, I think I maybe got it wrong. Let me see. (laughs) No, no, wait, this is something. Here, this, we will do it. Yes, no, I got it right. I got it right. So everyone in, everyone in my chat, I did get it right. It doesn't look right, but. Yes. Here, can everybody see that? Link it again. Oh, it's all backwards. Well, that's no help to anybody. No, that's is good. It? It's good. Yeah. Uh, C zero D A E S forward slash C zero D A. Yep. Very good. All right. Uh, so cryptic. So yeah. <laughs> Did you get that from a cryptex? Is Tom Hanks over there? <laughs> um. Yeah. So so uh, Elder Scrolls. Elder Scrolls off the record. Uh, Quest Gaming Network. We are. Launch launch is going to be a big deal for us, and you know again, um, check out our our Twitch and and our site uh, Elder Scrolls Off the Record dot com and at Elder Scrolls OTR. I guarantee you, you're not going to want to miss what we've got brewing for you. Uh, that'll be for launch uh, the weekends. Hang out at uh, at Twitch TV slash Quest Gaming Network if you're not enjoying the the uh, uh, the streams from from you know everyone else or or maybe they're not up at the moment. Uh, Certainly, we'll have stuff going on as well, and um, you know we're going to be we'll be streaming uh, this weekend as well for uh, the, the public test server, and uh, next week hopefully we'll be able to have the well, everyone here will be able have, have the chance to do that right. Hopefully next week. Next yeah, weekend. you know what we need to do? We need to all come together and host some big huge party in the game or something. That's something nice awesome. Idea. Yeah, that that is definitely a really nice idea. I'd like to do something like that. And we have to be naked. Um, so, <laughs> That's another bull. That's how we do with the shoddy kids. If you yeah. if you host a party in the game, people will be naked, whether or not you want them to be. <laughs> yeah. That's very Let's true. Let's be real. <laughs> Josh is there. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I appreciate everyone uh, for coming. Uh, Andrew from Tamriel Foundry, take a bow, sir. Kyle, thank you everyone for watching. Very awesome, awesome chat room. Uh, I'm sorry that you know I would have never been able to keep up with all the questions that were coming in. But thank you to all the moderators. Thank you guys for watching. Thank you all for tuning in. Uh, Get it, Kyle from Shoddycast. What Andrew said. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Josh from Shoddycast. Thanks, guys. Thanks for coming, and thanks to Ibarwin. Thanks for, for oh, putting yeah. this on for all hey, of us, hey. of course. Hey, you're welcome. And and Lady Naravar, thank you for joining. Thank you very much for having me. It was a blast. Sure was. Well, from the Somerset Isles to Skyrim, from High Rock to Morrowind, this has been the Alliance, the ESO Alliance. Take care, everyone. Be safe. And as always, may the foos be with you.